You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. The fear was there. But once I had the moment of clarity, I thought I'm not going to be scared. If I fail, I'm going to fail going out of my shield here Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And if I make it, then we'll see what happens. Today, I'm so excited to have Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I met Dwayne after he first left his role as a professional wrestler to film The Scorpion King. Now, over 20 years later, Dwayne is one of the most recognizable faces in Hollywood, bringing us fan favorites like Ballers, Jumanji, and of course, Moana. So here is Dwayne Johnson. Krista? How's it been? Good. It's good to see you. Oh, man, it's so good to see you. You know, I so loved your Vanity Fair cover story and... As you know, I spent most of my life there, so it was so kind of bittersweet to see that happen when I wasn't there. Well, I knew you would like it. I thought about you, you know, when we first agreed to do it, that we were going to do it, and I knew you would like it. When I first started, and, you know, I had some challenging times, right, because it's like my goals, as you knew back then, was like, I just want to have a little bit of longevity and hopefully really make somewhat of an impact in our business, and a lot of people didn't see it that way. You, at that time, saw it. I have one distinct memory, and I think it was right after Scorpion King, and I went to go see you at the... We went and had breakfast at the firehouse after a workout, and you taught me all about eating clean, which, of course, (laughs) I had no idea what that was, right? (laughs) And then later that night, I went to see you perform or see you wrestle at uh, the WWE event, and I remember I'm in a trench coat. I had my best, like, uh, (laughs) Catherine or Vanity Fair look on, and I go there, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's every dad and their kid in the world. I've never been so popular in my life when I was... uh, uh, went to go the line, but do, I understood the cinematic, dramatic nature of what wrestling was and what it was to you and the way the crowds responded to you. So it's such an interesting journey, and I'm so happy to be sitting here with you. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. You know, you have so many successes under your belt, for lack of a better word. You know, you've done so much. You've achieved so much. What is it for you that gets you out of the house, gets you away from your family, makes you go to work every day at this point in your career? Yeah. What gets me out of bed and what what burns the fire? When it comes to Hollywood projects, uh, the criteria, there's two or three here. Number one, am I going to love it? Am I going to love it? And I'm really going to be passionate about it. I've reached a point in my career. I'm really fortunate and lucky where I get to choose what I want to do. It's not driven by the dollars. It's driven by, am I going to love it? And are people going to love it? It truly hand in hand. And if I could check both those boxes. And when I say, am I going to love it? That means, am I going to love it? Meaning, am I going to love everybody involved here in this mm-hmm. project? Because that's important too. <laughs> I don't want to go to work, you know, have to deal with mental health issues <laughs> caused by people who I'm not crazy about. So I only want to be around great people and high quality people, like-minded people. And are people going to love whatever the project is. And so that's really the criteria. Check yes, yes, yes across the board. Okay, let's do it. Hmm, So great. All right, let's talk about your production company because, uh, and I know you talked a little bit about this in Vanity Fair, but those who haven't read the article, I love the name of this, of your company. Can you just tell my listeners a little bit about, you know, what was impetus to forming your own production company and the name behind it? Sure. So the name behind the production company is Seven Bucks Productions. I went to the University of Miami. My plan was to become a professional football player, play in the NFL. We won a national championship. I had great players all around me, many of which are in the Hall of Fame now. That dream didn't come true for me. And when I played up in Canada in the CFL, I was cut from, I was released from the team 
I got sent home. When I was sent home, I was driving home because I had to move back in with my parents because I had no money. And on the drive back to my parents, I didn't have a car. My dad had to come pick me up. We're driving back to Tampa. That was a real low point in my life because you leave home at 18 ready to tackle the world. You go through four years of college and you're like, I got my shit together. Here we go. And you have big goals and plans and that none of that came true. So now I'm driving in a pickup truck back to Tampa. And I said, let me look in my wallet and see how much money I have. And I looked and I opened it up and I had a five, a one and some change. And I always like to say, at least I rounded up. So I was optimistic in my <laughs> numbers and my math. So I said, wow, I, shit, I got seven bucks to my name. So it's a good reminder for me of where I came from. And we started a production company myself and Danny Garcia. And we started this production company almost 10 years ago. And we called it Seven Bucks Productions. And since then, we have found some really good success over the years. We've established some great partnerships with studios in our industry, and we've delivered, I think, for the audience. And our mission statement, our number one anchoring mission statement is audience first. Mm -hmm. We always take care of the audience. We always want to send them home happy. So, Dwayne, what part of the day is your favorite? I know you're kind of a morning person. I assume that's still the case. You also have young kids. Yeah. I know they're waking your ass up early because that's just the way it goes <laughs> with kids. Yes. But when you're got your producing head on or you're at when you're acting or when you're when you were in the ring, like what is your favorite part of the day in those different experiences? I have two parts of my favorite parts of the day. When it comes to I think being mindful and when it comes to having a little bit of balance is in the morning, early in the morning, before the babies wake up and before the tsunami happens in the household, where I'm by myself and very, very quiet in the morning. I like things very quiet in the morning. Usually before the sun comes up, I could do a tremendous amount of thinking. I could start to calibrate or recalibrate my day, thoughts, mindfulness, things like that. And then the other best part is when everyone is asleep. And I usually take about an hour for myself to an hour and a half once everybody goes to sleep. And it's usually sometime between 10, 10.30 to midnight, maybe a little past that. And again, I throttle it down. I start to decompress. I do think about the day. I think about tomorrow. I was asked this by Vanity Fair, what keeps me up at night? And I said everything, how it's all going to shake out. And that all that keeps me up in a good way, though. I've learned over the years to be a bit more neutral with my thoughts. Like usually I would really be hands-on and really start to, like it would start to absorb. I would really start to absorb the drama and a lot of the things that we deal with. So now I'm more neutral in my thoughts and everything's going to shake out the way we need it to shake out. And the only thing that I can control is my effort. All right. So I know there's a little tequila involved at the end of the day. A I lot. just want to know, is there any coffee in the morning pre-sunrise? I'm not a big coffee drinker, no, which was which was why I started the energy drink, because I'm not a coffee drinker. I said I need something in the morning. So I'm not a big coffee drinker. I'm an energy drink drinker. And I've been drinking energy drinks for years and years and years. And then finally, I thought, there's a bunch of shit in these energy drinks that you just don't know what it is. And there's an extraordinary amount of caffeine in here. I want to make something that's clean. But I don't like coffee. So that's how that happens. So I usually have an energy drink in the morning. You know, you always had this ambition to start your own things. Even 20 years ago, we were talking about this. So it's so incredible that you've got this. You've got the clothing line. Finally, finally, uh, <laughs> that has come to fruition. And obviously the tequila. One other thing that you've done, which is amazing, is you have actively parented. Yeah. 
now a grown up, but and you're parenting two daughters. So you are the ultimate girl dad. Yeah. And I want to know, how has it been when you had Simone, you were you were young. How has your parenting perspective changed now with your two young daughters versus, you know, Simone, who's I think now 20? When I had Simone, I was flying by the seat of my pants, too, as well. It's about the time I met you that I had Simone. This was in 2001. Yeah, it was about the time you and I met. And I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure out my own shit at that time. Flying by the seat of my pants, there was so much happening at that time. And at that time, I was married to Danny in my first marriage. And we had Simone. And I and I like to say I grew up, we grew up at the same time. And I was trying to be the best dad that I could be at that time with the capacity that I had. And the truth is, I had limited capacity back then. That And I had, I can only... The capacity I have today can only come through time and experience, and that's it. And I realize that. And so now how things have changed these days is I feel like I'm a lot more empathetic. I'm a lot more confident in how tomorrow will shake out based on the effort that I give today. Uh, And that is also, too, you know, Krista, I was really, I was so focused back then on making it. And it was important that I just didn't fail. I didn't want to fail. I was making the transition from wrestling to Hollywood. I was challenged. There were some roadblocks ahead of me. I didn't want to fail. And things are different these days. You know, I'm a a far cry away from seven bucks or from failing because I've done a pretty good job of, of, you know, calling this career. But also I realize now that I got to a point in my career where much like when I said, I'm going to be the best version that I could be is the most authentic version I could be. And this, and this means I'll go to the gym. I won't lose weight. I won't be on these crazy diets. I love George Clooney, love Will Smith, Brad Pitt, these guys who were the biggest stars at that time when you and I met, but but I'm not them though. I want to be in that position one day in terms of their influence, in terms of their career, but I am my own person. There's no blueprint for me and I got to be me. So the reason why I say that is because then, then when I had Simone and trying to figure all my shit out, uh, I was still conforming to Hollywood ways. And this is how a movie is made. This is how you're supposed to act, walk, talk, etc. It got to a point where, as you know, I said, okay, well now I'm going to be me and Hollywood is either going to conform to me or we're going to split ways. And I'm never going to be in Hollywood again. I'll go find something else to do. But in the process of that and me realizing that, I also realized that, oh, wait a second, being a father and being a husband and having a career in Hollywood at this level, it can all converge nicely. And once you realized what kind of life you wanted to create for yourself and your kids, how did you go about making that vision a reality? It doesn't have to be. I go to a certain location and I'm there for two or three or four or five or six weeks. Can't take the kids out of school. They have to stay in LA. It's what the school system wants it to be. I said, well, no, everything is going to change. Where I go, the babies are going to go. My wife is going to go. We're all going to go. And that's how the movie is going to get made. So there was a lot of changes, a lot of shifts. Once I realized this is the kind of father I'm going to be, this is how we're going to make these movies. And not only that, but this is how we're going to make you studios money. It all just conformed. It Mm -hmm. all just conformed. One of the things I've been talking about this season on the podcast is fear. You know, just the existence of an artist, I think you have to process fear a lot on any given day. 
But for you in that moment in time when you strategically had had lived a certain way, you've had success in wrestling, you'd had some success in film, certainly. How was your level of fear at that point, having been in Hollywood for a minute, deciding to make these changes, you know, with your ex-wife, with being a parent, like, okay, I'm going to be me and I'm going to floor it with me. Did you have any hesitancy or anything that you had to work through to get to the point kind of where you are now? I was, yeah, I was nervous. And, you know, I always say this about actors and we're all in this business. It's an incredibly vulnerable job. As forward-facing as it is, there's such a tremendous pomp and circumstance and it is the bright lights and it's Hollywood and it's all these wonderful elements about it. There's underbelly to it as there is with anything, but also at the end of the day, it's the... It's the person who has to stand in front of the camera when that red light is on and the director yells action. And, and it's just you. And eventually it's intimate with the camera, but that goes to the world. And that is forever. It's, it's a vulnerable place to be. So I always give so, actors a lot of credit. When I finally made the decision to be myself and be authentic and we're going to see what happens, I went pedal to the metal. At that time, I was really clear with what I wanted to do. And that was just be myself. And I had told, I given myself the space to, to think, okay, well, I have established some pretty good relationships in Hollywood. I don't know if this is going to work because I sat with the agency who I was with at that time and said, I am so clear with what I want to accomplish. I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know how this production company is going to get there. I don't know. And at that time, Will Smith was still the biggest star in the world. And I said, I want to have the career Will Smith And I said, I mean this so respectfully because he's a friend of mine and he is at this agency. I said, but I want to do something that's better and bigger and different. And I don't know how that's going to be, but that's okay if we can't see the pathway there. I said, but let's have faith in how we're going to get there. Everyone looked at me like I had three heads Hmm. and like, how much drugs have you done before this meeting? It was like that kind of thing. And I felt the energy in the room. So, but I was still... The point is I was still so clear about about the mission and unclear about whether or not we were going to achieve it, and that's okay. So prior to that clarity and that moment of clarity, I was really fucking nervous. I'm so sorry to cuss, but I was really nervous because at that time, I had already transitioned out of the world of pro wrestling. You You had gone to a show. I left the world of professional wrestling as their top draw, and that in any other world, and I'm sure to many other people, why would you leave that? I wanted to grow and I had achieved so much in that world and I wanted to grow. And then I felt to me, if I grew, then that would inherently impact the wrestling business and it would help grow that business too as well. But I was nervous because at that time when I made the transition to Hollywood after the Scorpion King, the rest of the movies that I was doing at that time they weren't making any money and they were okay movies. At time, they had a B movie feel to them. And you started to see the tea leaves and these cards that were laid out and you start to go, I don't know if there's longevity in that guy's career. And I felt it and I understand. So I was really nervous. I was also going through a divorce at that time, trying to figure out my shit. What kind of father am I going to be now? And I thought, man, did, am I going to end up with the same kind of relationship that, my, that I have with my dad? It was a complicated relationship. I was going through all this shit trying to figure it all out, Mm -hmm. 
trying to figure it all out. So there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of vulnerability. I was really unsure. I was also an only child. I was not used to talking to anybody. <laughs> I, I, at that time, didn't understand. And I was not an advocate of any kind of therapy or sitting down with people. I did That just wasn't in my wheelhouse. I didn't know how to do that mm -hmm. or where to even begin. So yeah, the fear was there. But once I had the moment of clarity, I thought, I'm not going to be scared. I, at least if I fail, I'm going to fail going out of my shield here mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And if I make it, then we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting that you went back to wrestling and you did elevate it. I'm not condescending to WWE, but you did bring a giant amount of attention to it where it wouldn't have necessarily been before. In that moment of clarity, I thought, well, I am going to be me here. But there's also an opportunity to go back now in 2010 and let me sit with Vince McMahon, who was a mentor of mine for many, many years, very close with him. And let's figure out the pathway to create something that's really extraordinary that hasn't been done. Um, and in turn, impact their bottom line in our way. So I did exactly that. So there was a lot of big decisions that were made at that time. Mm. And now your oldest daughter is interested in wrestling. She's she's in it. She's in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she is full time student as well as a full time student at their training facility. The WWE has a great training facility. It's NXT. So she is in it. She loves the wrestling business and very proud of her. That's got to feel pretty incredible. I mean, your grandfather, your father, you, your daughter. That's pretty amazing. It's awesome. It's awesome. And you know what's great about this, Krista, is that this. Where we are today and the impact that women's wrestling has had on that industry today is really spectacular compared to 20 years ago. Things were a lot mm -hmm. different 20 years ago, even before that. But today, where they are at and they are headlining pay-per-views and really the female talent is rightfully so being so forward-facing and pushed to the front of the line and held in these really main event positions. And they're all doing great, including my daughter. Very proud of all of them, all the women there. That's so great. I always also ask whoever I'm interviewing about the advice that they have for people that are struggling. It's just been a really rough couple of years for a lot of people. And I think anyone trying to transition from one place to another, and certainly in the artistic endeavor, is very, very challenging. And I'm curious to know what advice you would have for for someone doing just that, trying to just either put one foot in front of the other or trying to realize their dreams. Oh, I would say I'm an advocate for keep that dream alive and control the controllables. And what you can control is the effort that you put forth with your own two hands. I'm a firm believer in that and controlling the controllables. You can't control what people say what they feel. There's a lot of things that we can't control. There's a lot of things that you can control. And it's that unique and interesting thing that happens in terms of destiny. When destiny and luck, when that converges with your hard work and your fortitude, I mean, that's when the magic starts <laughs> to happen. When people have moments of clarity and they put forth the effort and they control the controllables, and then they go to work. I can tell you the thing that's also helped me, Krista, was being less micromanaging, really doing my best to see the greater, deeper value of everybody around me. And when you see that, then the world opens up in another way too as well, where you 
less hands-on because I, I came from a world of pro wrestling where it is, I eat first and I take care of me. And in those pro wrestling locker rooms, my head was always on a swivel. Everyone's head was on a swivel. You had to look out for yourself. Those are shark infested waters. Mm -hmm. Now it's taught me very well over the years. It served me well. But when you get to Hollywood or you start to expand your businesses out, there's such great value to bring in people who are masters at their craft, smarter, greater skill sets than you. Don't have to be hands-on, no micromanaging. You find the right people, you start to build the organization and you really go to work and you let them go to work. And that's what I found. I mean, that's when things have really opened up. And last thing I'll tell you is this, when I talk about controlling the controllables, and I talk about that funny thing happens when convergence of good luck and controlling the things that you can control, like the effort with your own two hands. I've always found, or I have realized, I haven't always found this, but I realized once I really started to pay attention that when you have moments of clarity and you know what you want to do, the universe has that funny way of meeting you halfway with things. And you start to realize, and that's when things start to really open up. I'll say this lastly. And when we met, at the time when we met, I, there were a lot of other things and distractions and noise in my life at that time that I thought were the most important things in life. And they were over there. And they were way over there. And they were over there. But you realize, really, the most important things are really the stuff that's right in front of you. It's truly the stuff that is right in front of you. It's family, it's your babies, it's the good people you work with. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to netflixq.com for more. That's netflixqueue.com. 